you took a certain gig doing a voice uh, for this. Grand Theft Auto, the game, and you mm. probably think to yourself that, wow, all these guys just say, yeah. They're probably trying to make the show go with a joystick right now. Uh, <laughs> you, when you do this game, People, it, you know, you think, okay, I'm just going to do this voice. It's not a big deal. And then it became a huge, huge hit, and it's sort of part of the pop culture now. Is that surprising to you? Totally. I had no idea. I'm not a game player. I was never the Pac-Man guy when that first game came out. I yeah. was never into that stuff at all. It's not cool to say, I was a big Ms. Pac-Man guy. <laughs> I gobbled up all no, those but glowing blue. In terms of any kind of, in terms right. of any kind of games, I never played right, any right. games. And this was like... It's just like, like, like it sold like 8 million units. It's like a $400 million movie. Like oh, it's huge. It. Yeah, it's, it's like you're huge, in a huge hit movie. Huge, huge. And uh, it's just, it was fun. You know, you're just sitting there cursing at people. Well, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was fun to it's do. Like, that's fun. You just went to a booth and cursed it's at people for, much, went crazy it, for a yeah. while. And they accidentally sent it to the SpongeBob people and it went on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but you got a lot of people play that game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a huge hit, that game. Unbelievable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Blue Wire Network. I am, of course, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jack Allison. Jack, how's it What's going, happening? Buddy? Oh, it's going just fine, you know. Uh, uh, looking forward to all our, uh, to double or nothing later today and, you know, having a great Memorial Day weekend, thinking about the sacrifice of all the troops out there. Double or nothing is tonight professional wrestling. Jack, how does it feel now that you're in it? You're in professional wrestling in the hot moment. Big pay-per-view coming up. What is this feeling like for you? You know, I, I, it's a good feeling, actually. It's nice to be a part of something. And yeah, I I had actually missed a couple weeks of AEW, but I caught up on this week's. And you can kind of do that. You know what I mean? If you miss a little bit, it's okay. Um, but frankly, I'm a little bit like, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm in the, in the position where I'm like, you know, what the hell is going on? with mjf and is he gonna show is this is this a work is this you know um is this kaufman level kayfabe or what the fuck is going on around here so for people who don't know mjf maxwell jacob friedman one of the hottest wrestlers in all of professional wrestling known as a heel a bad guy very good talker very interesting guy Ta likes to talk a lot likes to bit blur the line between reality and the narrative that's going on in uh, AEW wrestling and part of that has been him complaining publicly about some backstage issues he's had with the owner of AEW, Tony Khan and it basically comes down to the fact that he wants to renegotiate his contract for f more money because he sees people come into AEW like CM Punk, Samoa Joe making these big bucks and he's like hey I'm a top guy I need to make top guy money. Tony Khan apparently is willing to do that as long as MGF signs an extension, his contract is already, you know, two years of, into the future. But MGF says, show me the money right now. And I got to say, I always support the wrestler in this. Give him his money. You know, 
I'm with it too. It would be sad uh, not to see, you know, Wardlow get his big moment. So MJF is scheduled uh, to be at Double or Nothing in a big match with his former manservant, Wardlow. <laughs> Folks, it's professional wrestling. It's, so, yeah. it's all above board there. But his bodyguard, bodyguard. manslave, uh, Wardlow, <laughs> is fighting him for his freedom. And MJF is apparently... Possibly not showing up. Now, people are saying this is all a work, meaning it's fake. It's just something to generate buzz behind the pay-per-view. I'm not I'm not sure. It seems like I don't know. not the sort of thing particularly that AEW would do. It doesn't seem to benefit them that much, but it does. It has people talking. It has people excited. And it's an exciting time to be in professional wrestling, be interested in wrestling because you have these guys jumping back and forth between companies. And MGF is someone who's spoken openly about being interested in going to the WWE, which is, of course, a horrible company. But if you can use it to make your make yourself a bit more money in AEW, why the hell not? Hey, listen, I love MJF and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't really watched any WWE, but I don't know the prospect of him facing off against the rock and shit like that. I'm the like, rock's that not could in maybe the get me to tune in. The well, you know, in the w- no, he's not. Well, in then the forget w- it then. then. Forget <laughs> it then. So there are rumors that he's coming back for a WrestleMania match with his uh, cousin, uh, Roman Reigns. But, like people know this, like, oh, wait a minute, the rock is always filming some dog shit or another, but then he has these three bl- months blocked out, maybe for some wrestling. Like, I like MJF enough, and I find him to be like such a funny character and so good. And like, this kid's like a movie star, you know, in the waiting. Uh, that if anything could get me to watch WWE, it might be him like going over there for a little bit. If anything can get me to discover why WWE is bad after yes. for watching for a while. But uh, yeah, AEW, double or nothing. Who you got in the main event, Jack? CM Punk versus Hangman and Page for the AEW World Championship. Big match, big fight feel in Las Vegas. I got to get you down. For the big match, I think it's going to be CM Punk. And this is solely for the reason that I think they want him to be the face of AEW. You know, I think that, you know, Hangman Adam Page, good wrestler, fun to watch actually wrestle, but not that exciting of a personality, I guess I would say. And it does feel like, you know, Tony Khan and the sort of writing side of, uh, of AEW really wants, you know, CM Punk to be the face of the entire thing. And so I think it, I, to me, it feels pretty clear that it's going to end up being him. It's going to be in CM Punk, but it's because it's it's the upfronts, okay? It's WWE. <laughs> Tony Khan's been doing all these, uh, been talking about all the meetings he's had with the Warner Br- Br- Brothers executives, right. you know, and they're having that big transition over there, the purchase, uh, the Discovery purchase. Yes, the Discovery the, Channel has purchased uh, Warner Brothers, which is pretty wild, but anyway. CM Punk is the guy. He's the guy that everybody right. knows. I, we want him as the champ. We want him on yeah. fucking uh, the Tonight Show. We want him. Sure. To, we want him on The View with the title belt. We want him everywhere. CM Punk is the guy. He's been in UFC. He's been WWE yeah. champion. He's the guy. It's time. It's going to yeah. happen. It should be a great match either way. You know, even if the outcome feels set in stone, I think it'll be a great match to watch. Yeah, great match, great show. I hope, folks, if you're, you, you haven't gotten to wrestling, you check it out because it's a fun time. It's like 
one of the few good things in entertainment. For Revolution, I went over to a friend's house and watched it. Leslie, this is the first time I have shelled out $50 of my own money for a pay-per-view. Wow. So this is, you know, this has been a big journey for me, and it's now become a costly journey um, <laughs> as I get closer um, to, to watching it tonight. I am now actually a wrestling fan, and it's costing me hard-earned dollars to do so. <laughs> But, Jack, you've been saving so much money on not being a Star Wars fan. But mm-hmm. it has been a big week for Star Wars. Yes. Uh, the, the corpse of Star Wars, I sh- should say, because, yes, the Obi-Wan streaming TV series is out. The first two, episode, first two episodes hit Disney Plus this week. Jack, I know you took a look at it. I did watch them. I can't help myself. I, you know, and I even went on record on this podcast, you know, the last year or something saying I like the Dave Filoni stuff and I watched it. And while I do think it's a lot more forgivable than the sequel trilogy, I fucking can't handle this bullshit. You know, honestly, <laughs> like honestly, when it was a cartoon, when it was Clone Wars, it still had the kind of look and feel of Star Wars. Like, yes, it was a cartoon, but it had like the bigness and it had the effects and the aliens. Um, this Obi-Wan show I swear to God, it just sucks. It just sucks. Um, my big thing is, you know, there is, you know, a quote from George Lucas when he, when the trilo- uh, when the prequels were coming out, where he said, "I don't want Star Wars to become Star Trek." And Star Wars has now become Star Trek. You know, there was a clip that, you know, I think you posted. I saw people posting it. uh, The scene when baby Leia is running away from the bounty hunters trying to get her. And I saw that clip. I saw it in the show as well. This is Star Trek, folks. Like, Star Wars was never supposed to look like people running around Griffith Park. And the aliens are supposed to be more than just people with their face painted green. You know, like, Star Wars aliens have all had, like, makeup and they have weird anteater tusks and stuff like that. Now we're down to, like, it's just a man with green skin and a bald head running around fucking Griffith Park. Um, I, you know, the show... It's a travesty. Like we're we're now gonna see. You know, we've seen a lot of prequels love sort of in the you know um, in the promo for this show. I think if people are saying they'll have even more prequels love, because now we're seeing what the bad version of the prequels looks like. Yeah. So that scene that chasing that's not Star Trek level. There is no <laughs> Star Trek series. That has a chase scene that bad. People were comparing it to Xena, Warrior Princess, Hercules. Shows that have near and dear to my heart. That's insulting. That's <laughs> actually insulting to the hard work that those people were doing in New Zealand. The Raimi brothers, all, Lucy Lawless. They were kicking the stunt team. They were all down there kicking ass and working with a cheap show. But they actually made it work and made it yeah. dynamic and exciting and made the fight scenes work. I would dare someone to go back and watch any of those old, you know, shows that we think are cheesy now and then watch like actually literally a big budget Disney movie. They're more extras in an episode of Xena yeah. than there is in like Spider-Man No Way Home. Like it's just is mind boggling. So even this scene saying it's like, oh, bad 
uh, or a kids show like no it's below that i think bugman put it best saying it's like something they would show you in jury duty okay? yeah. <laughs> it's like a commercial video that you would make for like a corporation or something or a psa it's yeah. like it's that a level kid's, of a kid's star wars themed birthday you're right i don't think there's ever been any anything as bad as that scene in any star trek but star trek and xena also have like a history and a tradition of kind of endearing low budgetness yes. you know what i mean star wars does not that has never been what star wars is about so even seeing people try to excuse it that way i'm like well that is not what star wars is you oh know? no they um, were actually trying to excuse it. i actually think that a lot of nobody really tried to defend uh, this one when they compared it to xena they were trying to kind of they were kind of putting it down to xena's like no actually it's worse than that because the people yeah. who worked on xena knew what they were doing with their budget i don't know what this show is incredibly expensive and it just seems yeah. slapdash and done by people who don't have the filmmaking techniques that can make something like this work or just didn't take the time or care yeah. or just it felt like they did just didn't care kind of it really is not good and it's really sad that fucking Ewan McGregor is doing this show and that Oof. we're seeing it. It's all good. You know, I, I, even Tatooine doesn't look good. Like Tatooine now, uh, Mos Eisley. Well, I don't know if it's Mos Eisley, but just the town in Tatooine doesn't look like full. It, and they're they're doing this like washed out like traffic like effect on the footage to like make us believe that it's like a fucking desert or whatever you know i will say this though leslie i really really enjoyed the first four minutes of the first episode of obi-wan you know the uh the last time on star wars thing uh, where they showed us a bunch of shots from the prequels yeah i fast forwarded through the show and i could not believe that they opened up with like five minutes of clips from the prequels that look Every every frame looks every shot so, so much, much better. better. Then the show is the tra the transition is like when old video games would have like <laughs> outsourced CGI cutscenes and then you go to the low poly main yeah. gameplay. Yeah, PS One. Yeah, I don't know. I you know it, and. You know, when the show first started, it's like, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then it shows a shot of a ship outside of a planet. And I was like, damn, is this show like going to be good? Like, but then that was revealed to just be all prequel stuff. Um, yeah. I, the other thing I'd say about the show is it appears that they're really running a strange playbook with Star Wars right now, which is all these shows. They, they think they figured out a formula, which is established Star Wars character taking care of a baby version of an established <laughs> Star Wars character. I know Mandalorian is not Boba Fett, but for all intents and purposes, he might as well be. Yes. And that show is a, is a lone wolf and cub about him taking care of baby Yoda, who I know is not really Yoda. Shut the fuck up, but he might as well be baby Yoda as well. Yes. And now we're in Obi-Wan and the plot of this show seems to be that it's going to be Obi-Wan taking care of baby Princess Leia and <laughs> saving her from bad guys. We're like running, they're running the same formula both times, but but I think, you know, both episodes of this new Obi-Wan show, this is even before I talk about like the plot stuff of like, wouldn't Leia like remember that her and Obi-Wan had a big adventure like in A New Hope, like where it seems like she's never met him before. Like, you know, and she just says, like, you serve my father in the Clone Wars. Like, yes. Wouldn't she maybe have like remembered him when she was 10 having a big, long adventure with him? Forget all that. Both episodes of this show, there are big moments that are all about baby Leia running away from adults. And she is 
is slow. She's like a little <laughs> tiny kid and they have to keep cutting away because she's just waddling like a little four-year-old and they have to keep like stealing these fake shots of like adults almost catching her and then they cut away. She's tiny and small and both episodes are based around adults chasing her It and she is like annoying and, you know, quippy and yeah, this show is really not doing it for me and you know i i i thought if if any of these live action shows were going to do it for me it was this one but star wars is dead as dead can be and it, it's a television show now and it's not even like the thing i will say about this is that when george was doing star wars like in the in its final days what star wars had become was a television show mostly about the prequels era Star Wars. Then Disney bought it and they were had such hubris about fuck the prequels, fuck George, we know what we're doing, we're going to make a new trilogy. And here we are six years later and what are they doing? Making television shows about prequels era Star Wars. It's so funny and people have been noticing they were like, there were a few articles this week in mainstream publications like Wow, people love the prequels again. Everybody loves Hayden Christensen, Hayden Christensen now coming back as Anakin Skywalker. How did this all happen? Bugmane, obviously, but they were always yeah, and, good. And this show, this show did a lot of heavy lifting. Les- Leslie, don't you know? Don't uh, don't be too well, yes. um, I mean, don't be too modest. You know, uh, you know we have we've uh, you know I I almost can't even enjoy the new prequels. Love because I'm like. You know, people were were so fucked up for such a long time. I'm like, you people don't shouldn't be allowed to enjoy the fucking prequels. Like, shut the fuck up. I want to do back to gatekeeping. I want to gatekeep Star Wars, and I don't give a shit what anybody says about it. Speaking of, all right. So Kumail Nanjiani is in Star Wars now. He's officially made it. <clears throat> yeah. Look, I, I have nothing against this man. I have nothing against this man. I don't, and it's nothing personal against him. I don't care what who you bring in. Okay, Star Wars isn't supposed to be fucking American Isle guest spot, you know, sort of thing. All right, it's not supposed to be. Except for Greg Proops as the uh, the pod race announcer. That's the yeah, only one, one. One one small exception, but it's not supposed to be anybody who gets to host SNL gets to be in a Star Wars movie. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to work. Well, okay? Leslie, you said movie, and that's really not what these are. Oh yeah, see. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting. I, I I don't know. Maybe I could even tolerate a version of this. Maybe now that I'm thinking about it, that was much more like explicitly like a Xena show. It's like oh, but then you wouldn't have like Obi Wan or any of the main characters. Exactly. It. It, could, it would be like a side show, a little funny, little quippy thing. Maybe have Bruce Campbell in it or something like that. You could have like a really you know fun Star Wars TV show that wouldn't like in- feel like it's encroaching on the real shit. Or you do the movie that's about Obi Wan and Anakin, and you get Awen McGregor back, and you get uh, you get Hayden Christensen back. This version where it's the Xena show and it's got the real people, it just fucking feels really weird. It feels yes. really weird. It feels really really weird. The other thing I'd say. Just one final thing, as I was talking about, you know, Star Wars is now Star Trek. You know, there are so few aliens on Tatooine now. There's so many shots, and 
occasionally they'll have one person in a mask in the in the background but so much of Tatooine is just all humans in like dusty outfits we have no cool aliens that's obviously the result of the make Tatooine great movement that the <laughs> Empire was running a lot of the immigrants felt the need to flee yeah, well, but of course, there ended up being a lot more aliens by the time of A New Hope, but let's not, let's just forget that. Forget <laughs> it. All right. So, moving on to something on streaming that people aren't talking about, but they need to. I wanted to carve, carve out a special little block of time to talk about this movie. It's on Shudder. Okay. I'm not sponsored by Shudder. I hope to be one day. But uh, we're not. Yeah. You're Mr. Shudder. You love I Shudder. Have, I have been selling Shudder for forever. They yeah. haven't paid me money or uh-huh. no mine. No, not, not hating. I'm just saying. But uh, the sadness. This is a quote from Rue Morgue magazine. The sadness is the most violent and depraved zombie movie ever made. Jesus. Everything about that is true, except they aren't zombies, really. And longtime listeners of the show will know, and Jack, I think you'll know, you've read the comic Crossed. Sure. This movie is basically, now the people who made the film can't say this out loud for obvious reasons, but it is so clearly just an adaptation of Crossed in live action form with all that entails. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, you haven't had the uh, chance to read Crossed, it is one of the most violent and depraved comics. When you become crossed, you retain all your memories and knowledge as a human. You just have decided to become a homicidal, uh, sex-crazed, maniac serial killer who will do anything depraved thing that comes to mind. And it's just so incredibly fucked up because you Damn. like you just can't win because the pe- people are still smart. People know how to shoot yeah, guns. Zombies are mindless. Shoot. That's their weakness. Yes, that's their weakness. But these people are still as smart. They can hunt you. They can chase you. They can be patient. They can use the fuck. They can do anything that a human uh, can do. And it's just so fucking dark. And the movie captures all that. It really does the comic uh, book justice, even though Obviously, not an official adaptation. That's just me as a critic uh, noticing that. Please don't sue them. Uh, for, <laughs> please don't sue them because it's a very good movie and it's, a, and it's one of it's shocking. It's hardcore. Don't watch if you got if you are for the faint of heart. This one is not for you. But if you like really dark, really fucked up shit, does sadness. Absolutely, I 100% recommend this one. All right, damn. All right, maybe I'll check it out. I, I, you know, I don't even have Shudder, you know, but maybe I, maybe after all your sales, I should finally do it. I think if you check the scores of what they have on and just did like an average of the film score, they probably have a higher like rating than like the Criterion channel or whatever, like on <laughs> average, just because horror, lots of great horror film flicks on that one. Hell yeah. Continue on with horror. Jack, did you know? That Winnie the Pooh is oh, yeah. public domain now. Yes, that's right. Winnie the Pooh has finally been uh, freed of his shackles, and anyone can make a Winnie the Pooh. Anyone can make a, a movie of our favorite nude from the waist down uh, cartoon bear. And we already have the first film uh, in this new world where anybody can just make a poo, and it's called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. It's a story that features 
Pooh and Piglet as villains going on a rampage because Christopher for Robin has been pulled away from them, hasn't given them enough food, and now they're back for revenge. Of course, I'm about things getting into the public domain, but this does seem like somewhat like an annoying Vimeo movie. But, you know, I'm, I'm still happy that, that anyone's allowed to make a poo. Hey, it's fun. What, Jack, what kind of poo would you make if you had to move into a different genre? <laughs> if I had to move Winnie the Pooh to a different genre... You know, why not a film noir? You know what okay. I mean? There's there's a lot of there's a lot of characters in in the Pooiverse who have very specific personalities. You know, I feel like you could get a pretty good noir out of uh, out of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, so like Christopher Robbins found dead in a hotel room and he leaves a cryptic <laughs> note and he has to go throughout and Pooh has to find all the old gang and see who who killed Christopher Robin. I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah, that'd be good, you know, something like that. I was thinking more of like a Reservoir Dog style heist movie. Mm, Yeah, that's another good like big, uh, big cast of characters type of movie. So that would work. The other thing you could do, honestly, and I don't know if this would be the one that I would do, but just sort of playing on Pooh's depression, you could do a kind of, you know, uh, uh, some kind of romantic comedy, like, you know, something, something, you know, where Pooh is made like a punch drunk love. Yeah, it's like a punch drunk love man, a man, a poo in some manic pixie dream uh, pig or something like that. Eternal sunshine of the honeyed mind. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Jack, I know you never watched. We've been talking about a lot of old 90s TV. And one I loved was Angel. And the best season. I know, I know. Joss Whedon, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but it was fun. It's vampires. It's cool. LA is fun stuff. Honestly, right? how dare you like something that Joss Whedon made? Uh, I'm disgusted. I, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, but season five, some of the best TV I've ever seen, and in it, they introduced this uh, idea called the standard uh, perpetuity clause. Okay. The villains of Angel are a L.A. law firm called Wolfram and Hart, and you can see, obviously, any Los Angeles law firm, pure evil, like, just in reality, but this sure. one is, they, they had to have, like, demons, and, like, they're basically run by, like, Cthulhu to make them, like, <laughs> really, you know, TV scary, and all of their uh, employees have something in their contract called the uh, Standard Perpetuity Clause, which states that their services continue well after their death. So they're obligated to continue working for the company. Even after they die, they can be called back to Earth, used as a zombie, etc., etc. All that stuff. Marvel has brought that into the real world because Stan the Man Lee has apparently signed a contract for his likeness to continue to be used in Marvel Studios uh, branding and materials. A 20-year deal includes future appearances in Marvel movies and TV series, along with apparel and theme park experiences. Did they sign this with with, uh, Carrie Fisher? You know, because they were already using her uh, appearance. Or does that just come with when you buy Star Wars? It's weird to announce it, right? They have to send out the press press release yeah i feel like most people were grossed out about it until they realized of course stanley would have been okay with this yes stanley 
just wants his face out there no matter what. Uh, yeah, it's a weird fucking world that we live in now. You know, remember when this was like thought of as strange when they had Gene Kelly like selling, you know, a vacuum cleaner or something and the first one of these kind of effects things? People aren't allowed to die anymore. And this is the first step toward uh, what I predict, which is that we're going to end up in a place where you're just going to have Tom Cruise in movies like in 100 years from now. And people are going to theorize whether it's like the third or fourth Tom Cruise. (laughs) So, Jack, you haven't seen Top Gun yet. I haven't got a chance to see it yet. But I'm excited for it. It looks good. It looks really good. Tom Cruise is like the last movie star the last actual movie star and yeah i'm excited about it i saw when i saw doctor strange there was like a you know five minute like imax you know uh preview of top gun and it fucking kicked ass like i'm ready to see this movie but my secret is i've actually never seen the first top gun so i'm gonna go probably have a big top gun day tomorrow and watch both you know the first one it's it's okay it's a very weird movie it very strange stakes and it is like u.s military propaganda of course like in the in the but it is like a fun enjoyable movie because i mean obviously just not just cruise but you got kilmer you got you know er dude you got like a lot of young people looking good on camera and having a a fun time and kind of an exciting movie and it's exciting to see this new one Looks like really dope and look like it, like it might be like a, just a really like good movie. The thing that they're doing where apparently like there's some sort of fighter jet where like you can sit in the back and not be driving it, you know, the, but that's apparently how they got all the shots is there's yes. like a, you know, they're sitting in the back pretending to drive, but it's all real shit. It's not special effects. Like these are in camera shots of them like, you know, spinning around and fucking in the air and it like looks insane. It really yeah, does. Yeah. Exactly that. No, now Jack, did you know that Tom Cruise and I do believe this to be true. He he says it, but I believe it to be true that he's been calling individual theaters and like people who are selling popcorn and shit at movie theater theaters and telling them, "Don't worry, I'm bringing you Top Gun. I'm bringing you Mission Impossible Parts One and Part Two. I'm saving movie theaters. Just hold on." I believe it. And also he's right. And also he is correct. Although, you know, James Cameron could put in a call or two. Yes. Yes. I mean, the the Mission Impossible uh, trailer dropped. And looks it looks awesome. It looks like the best one. It looks like it might be easily the best one. And they've been, they've been almost all good. Almost yeah. all very, very good. And that one looked like the best one. Yeah, no, it looks awesome. And, you know, Tom Cruise is not wrong. He is he is saving movie theaters with a little assist from uh, from James Cameron, of course. Which, now, by the I way, did, did you did you go see the did you see Doctor Strange in 3D? And subsequently, did you see the Avatar trailer in 3D? I did. And I'm telling you, Avatar is not going away, folks. Avatar is not going away. This is going to be huge. I saw a video from France where people like gave it a standing ovation. Like this is going to be an absolutely enormous movie. Uh, I'm going on the record right now that, you know, you see all these dumb articles from people being like, you know, oh, do people really want another Avatar? Yes, people want another Avatar. People are going to remember Avatar. In fact, I think this is going to bring back 3D to movie theaters again (laughs) after 3D is like fully, totally dead. The only reason they released Doctor Strange in 3D was because of the Avatar trailer. There's no way they were going to put out, they didn't put out 3D (laughs) Spider-Man. Now, I mentioned that almost all of the Mission Impossible movies are good. 
one of the lower points, of course, oh, sure. was Mission Impossible 3, directed by J.J. Abrams. And he's yeah. in the entertainment sheets this week because mm-hmm. apparently, and, and we were talking about the merger, people over at Discovery, not too happy with J.J. right now. They yes. got his, they handed his production company a couple hundred million dollars. No big deal. Small deal, you know, years ago. Yeah. And barely anything has appeared on their streaming services since they're not getting any sort of output from JJ while he's over at Paramount doing Star Trek shit. And he's yeah. over at Netflix doing documentaries. And they're like, JJ, what the fuck are where's you Where's our shows? What, yeah. what, what you got for HBO Max? He's apparently working on something called Demi Monde, which they're concerned about. Because the budget is upwards of two hundred million. It's bigger than the Game of Thrones fucking prequel. Like that is insane for some fucking JJ show that no one knows anything about whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that. I guess he's also laid claim to a bunch of DC characters, and he yes. hasn't like made anything with them. So like he like just called dibs on all the DC characters and isn't doing anything. In some ways, you know, this is the best case scenario is for JJ to not be making anything. Uh, you know, because you know, if as soon as he gets his mitts on anything, he is going to ruin it forever. Um, we've seen it happen with Star Wars. We've seen it happen with Star Trek. Uh, thankfully. Mission Impossible, you know, had Tom Cruise, so he wasn't able to, you know, uh, uh, completely uh, uh, derail it. But yeah, you know, uh, I guess the folks at, at the uh, the reality television Discovery Channel, which owns Warner Brothers now, aren't happy with the hundred couple hundred million dollar deal they did with JJ. And speaking of more production troubles, hey, and the Buffyverse, Seth Green was developing a show based on his bored ape NFT Mm -hmm. that he bought. This is Seth Green uh, said, I bought that ape in July 2021 and have spent the last several months developing and exploiting the IP to make it into the star of this show, Green told Vaynerchuk. Then days before, his name is Fred, by the way, days before he's set to make his world debut, he's literally kidnapped. Uh, is what Seth Green said about his bored ape NFT that, you know, who know we, the world still waits to hear if anything happened to his slurp juice. We don't know <laughs> if, if, uh, if he's still generating slurp juice, but he, he doesn't have his bored ape named Fred. This is Jack. Now you've worked in Hollywood. Oh yeah. You, you've pitched shows. I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't been in a room with Seth Green or Jamie Kennedy at some point pitching something. Nope, never, but that's fine. But close enough, probably, right? Yeah, it's somewhere sure. in the air. Somewhere sure. in the air. There's a couple things that are really crazy about this. Is like, first of all, Seth Green's not the only guy. I for some reason, you know, they sold these bored apes and they were like, You own the trademark to this bored ape or whatever. And so people are like, Wow, that means I can like make a show from it. You know, the other way to own a trademark for something is to just draw something you know what i mean like it's fucking bizarre like these bored apes literally all look the same so what is the utility of like i have the ape that has like a green hat on you know what i mean if like everyone's going to be trying to like exploit their ape that they spent literally a quarter of a million dollars buying then like what the fuck like why like why is your ape special i guess like i don't understand this um secondly the craziest thing about this to me Seth Green has an animation like production studio. He does Robot Chicken and he has a production company that does like animation. 
Why didn't he just have one of his animators draw a character and then develop a show around that? Like, I just don't get the whole ape everything, except that it's a fun way for people who have a quarter of a million dollars to show that they had a quarter of a million dollars. You could literally just say, all right, I'm doing a show about NFTs, so I'm going to have fake NFTs. In fact, I'm going to make the NFTs in the show and sell those NFTs to the fans. How does that make so much more sense if you're going to go in on this instead of whining on Twitter about how Fred's been kidnapped? What uh, difference does it make? Make a better, make a different JPEG, do control and replace in the fucking apps. What difference does it make? That's the craziest thing with all this NFT stuff is that it's like, it's like fine art or whatever. And that's why it costs so much money. When, when, when they do paintings, when you're buying a painting for like millions of dollars or whatever, it's because a painter like used technique and you can look at it and they like put paint to the paper and there's like incredible technique done. Paintings are not made procedurally where they pump out 200,000 of them in a morning based on like a procedural algorithm. It's just fucking bizarre to me. I don't understand any of it. One thing that makes sense to me is that the, the thing has completely crashed commensurate with the stock market because despite what all the crypto people say about this being like a hedge against the stock market and different from the stock market in any way, it appears that it's not. And it in fact dips as soon as the stock market dips. Talking about some bad, somewhat procedurally generated art is almost a meme now. And it's a panel from Birds, Batgirl and Birds of Prey number five from a comic book in 2017. It's been making, it makes the rounds on Twitter every so often. It's a meme. Know your meme, Batgirl bathroom. And I just want to talk about it on the show because I, if, if we missed it at the time, I guess. Wow how how did I miss how did I miss one panel from Batgirl in 2017? <laughs> but it's truly one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in a comic book. I was talking about Cross. This Cross is nothing uh, compared to this, and I'm gonna link in the show notes as a visual aid. But we're gonna try to describe it uh, sure. somewhat. I don't think we can do it justice because. I don't think the human mind really has the language to process the geometries involved in uh, this panel. So uh, we're looking at a panel of Batgirl Barbara Gordon washing her face off in the sink in a bathroom. This is kind of an aerial shot, like it's from above. Uh, There's a toilet, there's a plunger, there's, you know, some cabinets and there's a bathtub. And the bathtub is jutting out in front of the door to the bathroom. Now, maybe you'd say, okay, it's crowded. The door opens outwardly. But there's also a bolt on the door showing that the door has to open in to the bathroom. Oh, that's actually not a bolt, Jack. People thought it was a bolt, but it's Uh, actually not. Oh, it's like a towel rack? No, no, no. Worse. It is... The shower rod for the tub jutting out into air on the left side is jutting out into air. It's not attached to anything on the left side. Presumably, it's attached to the wall on the right side. It's not attached to anything on the left side. And it's just standing in front of this door that has no handle on it. The toilet is next to the door. The plunger's on the floor. There is a full-size rug underneath the toilet specifically the plumbing of the toilet (laughs) and underneath the tub uh somehow and also when you look to the right in the same room with the tub and the sink which is like a vanity and the toilet 
is what looks like a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, now, Leslie, I will say this. There's a lot that's weird about this panel. There's a lot that's strange about it. And you could say, oh, this is probably a mistake. But with the way that they're reformatting apartments uh, to, like, cut them in half and, and charge two people for apartments, I could absolutely see them uh, putting a bathtub in front of a door and then still selling that apartment for $4,000 a month in Los Angeles. So maybe things have just gotten bad in Gotham. We yeah, don't know. I, I we can don't see know. that. Batman, tackle the high housing crisis. Okay? Yeah, Jesus that's right. Great. Help out your friend Barbara Gordon. For God's sake, you don't have, like, an extra room in the fucking mansion for jesus I know, Christ. right like it's one thing for everybody to say all right batman should spend his money you know helping poor people but he'll even like help his friends yeah i know a- he's just in this big ass mansion just him and alfred like all his adopted kids like move out pretty much immediately <laughs> yeah. and it's just him in this big ass mansion which by the way also has a probably not up to code certainly not regulated gigantic cave underneath it uh gigantic like uh, it's like another house that down there below it like you know let people stay with you a little more batman people were speculating in the comments about how something like this happens and and someone had a great insight which was basically uh they have to draw one of these a month and yeah. they have to rush and do shit so he probably just got some uh template and used it and wasn't really paying attention to it and that's how that happens so maybe give your artist a little <laughs> bit more time because i want to knock the artist to art Generally looks good, but obviously a little bit too rushed. I could also see it being like there's a he did a version where it was just a wall and then like a note came and they're like, <laughs> you know, could we have a door in there? And he's like, I guess I could fucking put it right here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And they're like, looks good. Really, really impressing me. That defense that you came up with for the Yamagoya case it was just genius. The way I'm looking at it, if you can't afford a porterhouse then you deserve hepatitis. (laughs) And moving on to our last story of the day. Rest in peace to actor Ray Liotta, who passed away at the age of 67. I feel like everybody loves Ray Liotta. The God, yeah. No, no, I don't think you'll find a hater out there. What's your favorite thing he's been in, Jay? You know, I have to go with the basic shit, you know, like Goodfellas fucking rocks. And I know it's that so that's good. like, I know that's the kindergarten level take, but I'm not, but I'm not going to try to do a big smart guy filmer take. He fucking rocks in that movie. And I don't know what to tell you. Like that's, it's like the best thing I think he's done. And I feel like people don't understand, like, that was his, like, star turn. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I just assumed, like, oh, Al Pacino, Robert De, Nir- De Niro, Ray Liotta, they were all kind of on the same He was level. nowhere before that. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize that until much later. And so, like, that movie really, really stands out as staying on that little really hardcore crime beat, Narc. Uh, it's directed by Joe Carnahan, who also did Smoking Aces, which Ray Liotta is in as well. But it's a really, really brutal, really cool, uh, like a dirty cop drama from, I think, uh, 2002 that not a lot of people have seen. But if you like like shit like The Wire or The Sopranos, you definitely have to check it out. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not the biggest fan of Many Saints of Newark, the little Sopranos movie, but Ray Liotta was good in it. Yeah, he was. Like, doing, like, a dual role as, him, as like, a character and his twin. Like, Liotta's fucking good in that, and, you know, and I actually did kind of like the movie overall, even if there's a lot of weird stuff in it. I didn't think it was bad. I feel like 
it was cheesy, but like the show itself is cheesy. And I feel like just people expected to be maybe a little bit more serious than the show. It's just like is. stuff like Polly. I'm like, that felt like the all that version of Polly, uh. of young Polly. <laughs> but like overall, I did kind of like it. And oh, I kind of wish that they would put it, put it on HBO. Like do Sopranos Jr. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. All right, folks. That was Struggle Session. Please be sure to send us your voicemails about your favorite Ray Liotta performances at sesh.show. Subscribe at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.